The Pistons got an ugly win tonight against the Indiana Pacers by a score of 97 to 89. We're going to recap everything we saw in this game on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me on Twitter at Kuka Hill. You can also find the podcast over on YouTube at Lockdown Pistons, please. Everyone, if you haven't already, go over there and support the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. If you want to find the best way to support the podcast, it's by going over there and the subscribe button. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers as soon as possible. So I'd really appreciate if you guys went over there and supported it by hitting that big red button that said subscribe. And before we get into the podcast, I also want to say tomorrow we are doing a mailbag podcast. So if you are watching this on YouTube, go in the comment section down below and write any questions that you want me to answer tomorrow. If you're listening to this and any podcast, Spotify, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere, etc. You can put it down in the reviews down below, or you can go tweet me at Kuka Hill or at Lockdown Pistons to let us know what questions you have for tomorrow's podcast. But I believe that's all the you know little things I got to tell you guys before we dive into this game. Uh, but yeah, the Pistons had a game against the Indiana Pacers. They won. Uh, they have won three of their last five games with Kate Cunningham. That's that's something. Uh, they won this game. It was a really ugly game. I, I couldn't say that I enjoyed it, enjoyed watching it. Uh, I don't think many of you guys probably enjoyed watching it, but they did come away with a win. Uh, Kay Cunningham scored 16 points. He had eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block. He had some timely buckets down the stretch, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, but overall, the Pistons just, they can't hit shots still, dude. It's, it's, it's tough, but they played really good defense tonight. Uh, I think Isaiah Stewart was at the core of this, him and Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes only played 19 minutes tonight, though. Uh, he did aggravate his injured left thumb. I don't know if that had anything to do with why he didn't play some. I think it had more to do with the fact that Corey Joseph was playing really well tonight in his second half stretch where he scored 18 points and 7-11 shooting in 31 minutes. So I think it was more so Corey Joseph had earned some minutes and they just rode the hot hand at that point. Uh, but definitely Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart were at the center of the defense tonight. I thought they played really well in defense in order to win this game while shooting 28% from deep. Uh, you got to play some really good defense in order to win despite that. And they did. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, he only had, uh, what was it, 15 points on 4 of 7 shooting. He had 10 free throws. But outside of that, I thought the Pistons did a really good job of not letting him get comfortable. Uh, he did miss a few bunnies down there as well. Um, it was him and Miles Turner just were really off tonight. But I thought that uh, some of that had to do with the fact of the Pistons' defense and how physical they were being with them. Uh, the refs were also, I feel like, allowing them to be a little bit more physical with them. Outside the early third quarter, uh, where Killian Hayes picked up his, fir- his first, I believe, four fouls in the third quarter, uh, I-, I felt like they were blowing the whistle a little too much then. But outside of that, I thought the Pistons got real physical with their big guys. Uh, like I said, Sabonis shot four of seven. Miles Turner shot two of eight from the field. Five of his shots were from deep. He didn't really get anything going inside or outside. Uh, he had four turnovers. Sabonis had five turnovers. So, again, I thought the Pistons, big guys, uh, and overall just the entire team playing real physical with the guys down there um, was a big reason why the Pistons won this game. Uh, there were a few plays where Killian Hayes 
straight up just switched on a mouse turner down low and was just battling with him down there and stopped him from scoring or forced a turnover. So, yeah, I, th- I thought the Pistons, obviously, their defense was what led them to a win tonight. Uh, and when you're going to shoot, like I said, 28% from deep, 42% from the field, 75% from free throw line, uh, when you have awful splits like that, uh, you got to find a different way to win the game. And the Pistons did that. And you can't can't be too mad about it. Obviously, a win is a win. But still, it was it's just it's, – it's not pretty to watch right now. I know we've talked about this so, so much. Uh, on the podcast about their offense. I mean, we can only talk about so much legit. Uh, but really, I, I mean, I've, I've done reserved myself to the to the point of thinking, like, you got to hit shots at some point. There's no way there's no way they, they're going to continue to shoot this bad. I mean, and it's just not, like, my, my concern with the offense and their shooting, and I've said this a couple times in the podcast, it isn't just they're shooting from deep. They're shooting 42% from the field. They're shooting 75% from free throw line. So it's just across the board, they can't make shots from inside, two-point range, three-point range, free throws. They can't they can't score from anywhere. So it's 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 a struggle right now for the Pistons to score. But despite that, they found a way to get a win tonight uh, against the Indiana Pacers. And I think a lot of that had to do as well with Kay Cunningham's play. Now, Kay Cunningham, he only scored uh, 16 points. He did shoot six of 18 from the field. Really tough. Uh, night from him uh, efficiency wise uh, he only shot one of eight from deep he made his first three missed his next seven uh, and for those of you guys I feel bad I, I know there was a little boost uh, bet bonus out there uh, I forget which app it was but that he had to hit two threes and it was like boosted and and I know you guys were probably expecting that to hit after he made his first three but then he missed his next seven so it definitely was a little bit of a struggle for K throughout the entire night uh, he was finding ways to impact the game in other ways Obviously, with eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block, he was all over the place. Uh, he was finding his guys, getting to the paint, making good passes, etc. He didn't, uh, he didn't turn the ball over too much. Only had one turnover, so he was finding ways to contribute to the game without shooting that well. But late in the game, he had back to back to back good, uh, big plays for the Pistons. A uh, really nice drive that showcases his athleticism. A nice little fadeaway from mid range that he also hit. He had a couple of dimes. One, one, one of the ones I really liked, uh, he drove, got all the way underneath the basket. Both the guys can uh, both the help defenders committed to him. And instead of giving dropping it off to Isaiah Stewart, which all of us thought he was going to do, he looked off the pass and dished it to a Frank Jackson corner three, which went in. Uh, so Kay Cunningham had his fingerprints all over the game late, helped extend the Pistons' lead and eventually close the door. And that's something that I think is going to become – it's already becoming a normal, but it's going to become a new normal for the Pistons for the next decade or so. Kay Cunningham's that dude when the time when, – when the br- lights get bright and it's time to close the door and it's time to, you know, play clutch, uh, I think Cade has proven that he's going to be that guy. Uh, and he's playing he's playing really well and the lights shine the brightest. So I think that's another thing that you can take away from this game, probably the biggest thing uh, because, again, like I said, the offense was just overall bad again tonight. Uh, but, yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from tonight's game is the fact that Kay Cunningham, again, showed up when it counted, showed up when it meant the most and help deliver the Pistons a win tonight. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some other things that happened in tonight's game. We saw Hamdou Diallo play tonight. What do we think about that? Josh Jackson did not play. Is that something we're going to see moving forward? We'll talk about some of that and some other things from tonight's game when we come back from the ad break. But first, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, BetOnline AG. We're back in better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. 
Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Now, I've told you guys this before. If you don't want to bet on sports, you can bet on things outside of sports, things I didn't even know you could bet on, like awards, TV shows, reality TV. Like It's it's crazy what you can bet on with BetOnline AG. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports as well. So make sure you go check out BetOnline AG and use our promo code LOCKDOWN to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So before we get into anything else, I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And again, if you want to find the best way to support the podcast, everyone listening to this on the podcast versions, please go go support us over on YouTube at Lockdown Pistons. Subscribe to the channel. We are trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. Again, even if you don't like watching the YouTube version, you like the podcast version, that's fine. I, I don't blame you guys. But simply, go if you want to find the best way to support me and the podcast, go over to the YouTube channel. Hit that big red button that says subscribe. It's the best way to do it. I really appreciate it. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. We're halfway there. Just go help us get there by the end of the year. I'd really appreciate it. But in today's game we had, or if you listen to this on the podcast, last night's game, Hemdu uh, Diallo played in this game. And this is after him not playing for about two weeks. He had not played. And obviously we saw the big dust of what he did play, but I'm talking about meaningful minutes. I guess I should have clarified. But last podcast, we talked with James Edwards of The Athletic and co-host of the Bunny Carnegie Show about the whole dust up that happened with Hemdu Diallo and his head coach, Dwayne Casey, a few games ago in a blowout loss. We already know the story. Dwayne Casey called up Hemdu Diallo. Hemdu Diallo looked like he didn't really want to go in, kind of had an attitude. Dwayne Casey saw that, asked him what was up. Hemdu Diallo just continued walking. Dwayne Casey basically said, get your ass back here, called him back to the bench. Then Troy Reaver came down, took him back to the locker room. So it was that whole thing. And we hadn't seen Hamdu Diallo play in meaningful minutes anyways before that in a few games, like a week and a half or so, uh, two weeks or so. So tonight he ended up playing some minutes, but it came at the cost of Josh Jackson. Um, Hamdu Diallo, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, he played fine defense, I thought. He only scored one bucket. He had two points. Uh, so I don't think he played bad. I don't think he played great, but I thought he did his job while on the court what was being asked him. I thought he did that. Um, do I think that this should be something that continues to move forward, uh, playing him to Diallo instead of Josh? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I can get on board with playing him over Josh. I don't think Josh has done anything to lose his spot in the rotation. I thought Josh has been the player, you know, everyone thought he was going to be. Uh, I thought, you know, Dwayne Casey has talked multiple times about how he's Looked like he's been making better decisions with the basketball. He's liked what he's brought to the table. Um, so I, I I don't know if Josh has lost his spot in the rotation. I don't know if I agree with him losing his spot. Um, we've talked about on the podcast many times about staggering Killian Hayes and Kay Cunningham. And that's something they actually have started to do, but they do it with Corey Joseph. Uh, for me, if you wanted to get him to Diallo and Josh Jackson Mintz, you could just sit Corey Joseph, stagger Kay Cunningham and Killian Hayes, and then play Josh Jackson and Hamadou Diallo. Uh, but obviously, that's not something that they're interested in at all. They view Hamadou Diallo and Josh Jackson as people or as the same type of player. So it seems like they just have zero interest in doing that at all. Um, earlier in the season, I brought up the, the possibility of them being able to do it simply because they had a stretch big in Kelly Olynyk, who would provide more spacing to the floor. But now with Kelly Olynyk out, what is it, six to eight weeks, uh, it just completely closes the door in that possibility. 
Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with playing Diallo over Josh. I think Diallo probably has a higher ceiling at this point. He has more potential to him. I feel like Josh, you pretty much know what he is now. Uh, Diallo, I guess there's still more of an unknown with him, uh, more more you could possibly get out of him, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but either way, both of these guys, the things that I don't get is, and I, I know I'm going to sound like I'm probably nitpicking here, but it's just I just have to say this. I wouldn't be being truthful with you guys if I didn't. Um, if you're going to play Hamdu Diallo, play Hamdu Diallo to his strengths. There's too many times, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, early and early, early in the season, that, you know, in, in Dwayne Casey's offense, it's not that structured. And we've seen for years now, and we have evidence of multiple different players, the non-shooter on the court just goes and stands in the corner. That's that's what happens on the court. If you're a non-shooter or you're non-threat that he feels like from beyond the arc, or if you're a, he just views you as a non-threat, he's going to stand you in the corner. We saw it with Bruce Brown. We saw it with Sekou. We saw it a little bit with Killian Hayes earlier in the season. We've seen it with a ton of other players throughout uh, Dwayne Casey's tenure here. And we saw it with him do Diallo a lot tonight. So my thing is, if you're going to play Hamdou Diallo, playing him, just throwing him in the corner, you're basically getting no value out of him at all. And let me just say, I'm not saying you simply come out here and just draw up plays for Hamdou Diallo, but my whole thing is, and it's one of my biggest gripes with Dwayne Casey's offense and my biggest gripes with just Dwayne Casey in general is that I feel like that he doesn't really – how do I say this in like the, the most the, – the nicest way possible? I just feel like he doesn't – he doesn't play to his player's strengths. Like it's more so just, you know, th- throw guys into my system and we don't really play the guy's strengths. That's that's my my biggest gripe with him. Uh, it's just that, you know, I don't think anyone agrees that playing him to Diallo and throwing him in the corner really does anything for the team and does anything for Diallo anyways. Uh, Diallo's one bucket came when you actually put the ball in his hands. He went and got the ball and had a great drive along the baseline and a fantastic finish. I'm not sure anyone else on this team besides maybe Josh Jackson or Jeremy Grant could possibly do. Uh, he's just that kind of uber athletic. And when he played really well for the Pistons last year, and when he played really well for OKC last year, it's because he has the ball in his hands. He's really good at scoring, or at least his best attribute, I feel like, is him scoring with the ball in his hands. He, there's not many people that can stop him from getting to the rim. I know a few years ago I said this about Bruce Brown. Despite Bruce Brown not being able to shoot, his first step was so quick, he still was able to get both feet in the paint almost every time. You take that and times it by like 100 with Hamdou Diallo. Everyone knows he's not going to be able to shoot. But, yeah, he's able to get to the rim every single time he tries to drive. Now, whether he makes the right decision once he gets there, that's part of the development with him. But that's obviously where he's at his best and where you're using him to his strengths. Now, does he get tunnel vision on these? Yes. Is he a shot hunter? Yes. But so is Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson isn't, isn't trying to play make out there. He's out there trying to score. It's the same thing with Hamdou Diallo, except his, his is at the rim. So, again, it's just – that's my that's just my biggest gripe with it. If you're going to play Hamadou Diallo, at least use him to how how he should be used. Um, I, I really just feel like that if it's kind of like how people said about Sekou. And again, it's I'm not saying that Sekou would have been great. I know he just got cut by the Lakers or whatever. But what I'm saying is it's, it's kind of like the same gripe that people have with Sekou. Is like when Sekou would play, a lot of fans would tweet me and say. It doesn't even feel like he's out there. He's like he's just floating around. Tonight, it just felt like that Hamadou Diallo was just floating. Excuse me. It felt like he was just floating around on offense. Like he wasn't really, you know, he's not hurting their offense, but he's not really helping their offense. He's just like there. And it's like not a fault of his own. He's just being put in the corner. He's not being asked to run a pick and roll. He's not getting, you know, a play drawn up that gets him going downhill. 
He doesn't get a play drawn up of him like a backdoor cut that utilizes athleticism to get alley oop dunk. Like he's not, you're not really utilizing him to do anything. He's just out there, and I, that's just it's just a gripe I have. I feel like it's not just with Diallo. I feel like it's with a lot of players on the roster too that we have this issue with because the offense isn't that structured, and a lot of players just flow into that. So again, yeah, I, that's all I've got with him to Diallo's game today. If you're going to play him, just you know get put the ball in his hands. He's able to get to the rim anytime he wants, basically going to the rim. Uh, he's going to draw a lot of fouls. He's going to finish a lot of the time. Uh, he will make bad decisions every now and then when he gets to the rim. He's not going to pass when he probably should sometimes. But it's that's part of it, and that's where he's best used anyways. And having him spot up in the corner, the defenses are going to respect him over there. He's probably not going to hit many of those shots when they, he does get the ball over there. It's just like a, a waste of space. It just It's just, again, like I said earlier, it's just like he's there. He's just there to be there, and he's just floating around. So it, that's that's my takeaway for Hamadou Diallo. I, do I think he should be playing over Josh Jackson? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to continue doing that moving forward. I'd be shocked if Josh Jackson doesn't re-enter this rotation at some point. But if Diallo is going to be given a chance, I'd like to see him actually be given a chance to do something on the court. Uh, him just standing in the corner and floating around while Trey Lyles get eight shots up, it's just not not it. It's not it, Coach. Uh, but that's, that's, that's my takeaway for Hamadou Diallo's game today. When we come back, We'll talk about all the other things we saw in tonight's game from uh, the Pistons win first the Indiana Pacers. But first, got to take you guys to this ad break. Okay, so if you guys are watching on YouTube, you guys are probably wondering, where's the ad break at? Uh, it was all, there was no live ad reads for me to do. It was all plug-in ones. So only the podcast people had to hear those. I'm sorry if you guys feel like you guys were left out. Trust me, I'm sorry. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons, your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms. This is now you guys' a third reminder that if you want to support the podcast, you want to support me and show that you appreciate the podcast, just go over to the Lockdown Pistons YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We would really appreciate it if we could get there by the end of the year. So if you want to support me, you want to show me that you appreciate the work I do for the podcast, so simply the best way to do that is go over to the YouTube channel and hit the subscribe button for the Lockdown Pistons YouTube channel. I'd really appreciate it. But – Let's talk about some of the other things in tonight's game. So we talked about Kate Cunningham. We talked about the, the resurgence or somewhat of a resurgence of Hamadou Diallo into the rotation. Uh, what were some other things that we saw in tonight's game? So, or last night's game. Uh, we saw Sadiq Bey shoot three or four from deep. Uh, outside of that, though, he really struggled from inside the three-point arc. Uh, you know, you're starting to see, you know, I've, I've said this to you guys over the last, I think, week now, that Sadiq Bey is someone that you need to watch. He had that big stretch um, early in the – Fourth quarter it was where he really scored, I believe, like 10 straight points for the Pistons and, and kept him in the game. Uh, but he did a lot of that damage from beyond the arc and getting to the free throw line, which was fine. He shot two of four from the free throw line. No, that's shocking. I, do, I don't get what's going on with the Pistons right now and shooting overall. Uh, but, yes, Sadiq Bey, he continues to struggle from two-point range. He continues to struggle to be efficient from the floor. Um, that's something to continue to watch for moving forward. Is he able to get back on track? Uh, this is this is definitely not like him. It wasn't like him his rookie season. Uh, it's it's good to see him shoot three or four from deep because, like I've said many times, the Pistons need that catch and shoot guy. And Sadiq's a much better shooter than he is that he's shown so far this season. But five of fourteen from the floor that's that's tough. Uh, he's this and that's been going on for a while now. So hopefully he starts to get back on track at some point. Um, but like I said, a few podcasts are going like I've been saying. We can only say at some point they'll get back on track for so long. We're now, what, 14 games in, and we're still saying it about the team and a lot of its players. It's, it's mind-boggling, really. But 
we'll continue to watch it. Uh, Jeremy Grant, he had a big bucket late in the game, a long two. Now, listen, one of, uh, my friend Hal, who has been on the pockets a few times, uh, he tweeted out, and it's the, it's, the best ver- it's the best way to summarize that shot and a lot of things that Jeremy does. Jeremy has many possessions that is bad process, but a good result happens anyways because of it. Like that long two, 100% wasn't the shot the Pistons wanted. 100% wasn't the shot Jeremy should have taken. And 100% wasn't the shot that – well, 100% probably was the shot the Pacers were welcoming welcoming him to take. Uh, he ended up hitting it, but he did shoot 5 of 14 from the floor tonight. That had a lot to do with him shooting 0 of 5 from deep. Um, but he can, Jeremy continues to look better, like we've been saying on the podcast, when he gets flowing, when he gets moving in the offense, you get him in the flow in the offense, not the drawn-out ISOs. Uh, and we continue to see a lot of those in this game. I think we had three in the first three minutes of the game that all resulted in no points. Um, so, again, Jeremy, he got to the – and when he's going to the rim, he's at his best. He got 12 free throws tonight. He draws contact. He draws foul calls. He only made nine of them. Again, the Pistons just not being able to hit shots from anywhere. It's crazy. Uh, but he did a good job drawing fouls tonight. Just – I feel like it's going to be something we talk about all season. The drawn out isos really just make it a painful experience to watch. Uh, it's not good for him. It's not good for the team. Uh, and last year, you guys know that I talked about Jeremy Grant being, uh, you know, having being in the 70th, around the 70th percentile in isolation buckets last year. He's down around the 30th percentile this year. It's just not a good part of the game. It's not a good part of his game. It's not a good part of the offense. It should be cut out completely. It just isn't, it, it just isn't good offense. He's scoring, I believe, like 0. 0.6 uh, points per possession on it right now. It's just, it's not good. It's not good offense right now. He needs to, just, it needs to be cut out. Uh, but outside of that, he did a good job getting to the free throw line, uh, but yes, definitely still wasn't a very efficient night from Jeremy. Um, Isaiah Stewart, some dude on Twitter was like freaking out because <laughs> I criticized something with Isaiah Stewart when I wasn't even criticizing him. I had said something about him ma- having having a, making a good play and it was taken away from him because of a foul call, and they just he just lost his mind. He was crying about it for like five minutes, ten minutes on Twitter. It's crazy. Uh, but with Isaiah Stewart, he played really well defensively, like I said earlier in the podcast. I think he was at the central focus of why Miles Turner and Sabonis really struggled tonight. He got real physical with them. Uh, the refs allowed him to play really physical with them. It definitely bothered them. Uh, so defensively, I think he continues to show that he's pretty good down there. It's just uh, offensively, he continues to, I feel like, he, his lack of impact on the offensive end really is just like glaring at multiple points. Uh, and that's something that we're going. I'm going to continue to talk about on the podcast until we see improvement or it gets worse. Uh, that's what the season's about. We're going to talk about development parts of pe- of the young guys' game, whether it's getting better, whether it's getting worse. Right now, it's just it's not really coming along with Isaiah Stewart. He hasn't. Sh- he didn't take a three tonight. He didn't take any shot outside six feet. Uh, and and even on some rolls, uh, really, I suggest you guys go follow Hal on Twitter. His name is at Hal Bridius. Um, I would go follow him because he he clips out highlights and, and points of emphasis from the game throughout the entire game. So you guys will have a, I think that's a really good follow you guys should have if you're on Twitter. Uh, but there was a few plays with Isaiah Stewart that he pointed out and I pointed out one and apparently I'm being called, I got called the Isaiah Stewart hater for pointing it out. I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I analyze what's in front of me. Uh, but either way, there was one play Isaiah Stewart and Killian Hayes ran a pick and roll. Isaiah Stewart was diving towards the rim. Killian Hayes attracted both the defenders and because Isaiah Stewart's not much of a lob threat, he couldn't throw it up towards the rim for him to go get it. So he gave him like a chest, kind of a, a over-the-head chest pass to him. And what should have been just a simple layup, Isaiah Stewart just needs to go up with this. 
uh, one of the issues coming coming out of college with him that you heard people say was his, his explosiveness without a running uh, a running start or without taking a dribble, whatever, just straight up catch, jump. That is his lack of explosiveness was going to be an issue. And right here, you really saw it. Uh, he had a guard rotate down on him, and he still should have been able to finish up with a layup. Killian had done a good job of attracting both the guys. And with a better pick-and-roll guy, that's a dunk easily there. But Isaiah Stewart hesitated. He wasn't able to explode off. And he ended up kicking out for an open Jeremy Grant three behind him in the corner. Jeremy missed it. Uh, but the best shot is always the shot at the rim, an easy shot at the rim to lay up. It's the best shot in basketball. Uh, an open three is a really good shot, but that the open shot at the rim is, is a better shot. Uh, and that is too many times where Isaiah Stewart, I feel like, leaves that on the board. So that's an area of emphasis that we're going to be watching to see if he improves on throughout the season. Uh, the Pistons desperately need him to improve on this. He needs to improve as a role guy in order for him to really fulfill his 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 ceiling. And again, this is what this season is about. We're going to be watching all the young guys to see if they develop, they get better in the areas, they get worse. And this is one area in Isaiah Stewart that he just hasn't shown much growth in right now throughout the season. He's kind of just been like same throughout the year. Um, outside the Toronto game when they made an effort to really get him the ball uh, and try to get him going early. Um, outside of that, just simply with pick and rolls and him diving to the rim, uh, he needs to get better in that area, and we're going to be watching that throughout the season. Um, next, outside uh, outside of uh, the other guys that we've talked about, Killian Hayes, he only played 19 minutes. He had that wrap on his uh, his thumb still, probably going to be there for a long time. Uh, he injured it again on a, on a defensive play on TJ McConnell, I believe it was, driving to the rim. He injured it, got taken out the game, came back in and played, but um, after picking up his fourth foul, we didn't see him again after the six-minute mark in the third quarter. I thought Killian was playing a good game. He shot two of two from the field. He had four rebounds, four assists, three steals, a block. Again, just I I really feel like he was just everywhere defensively. He's playing absurd defense for the Pistons right now. It's literally crazy how good he is on defense. Um, again, offensively, he had a few turnovers. He had one really bad turnover that I really didn't like from him. It was at the end of the second quarter. He came off a pick and roll. I never really tried to go at the basket. Instead, just picked up his dribble out to two plays and just whipped a pass to the corner as if like he was just expecting the corner guy defender to sag in. But Killian hadn't really done anything to make that defender suck in. So it was just a turnover, a really bad turnover. That's probably one of the worst plays I've seen from Killian all season. That's a really bad play. Uh, so, I, I again, you want to see Killian be a little bit more aggressive. But this is another gripe I have with Dwayne Casey's offense right now is that I get wanting to get Kay Cunningham more touches, but still you should be balancing it with Cade and Killian. Killian should be getting his own touches as well in the pick and roll. Uh, if you want to stagger them, we've been begging to stagger them. If you want to get Cade's touches, and then when Cade comes out, get Killian in, and then Killian get his pick and roll touches in, then do it that way. But either way, while Killian is showing improvement off ball, and that's helping him, obviously, his off ball game, again, I feel like there's too many times where Killian's just put in the corner and he's just there to be there. I thought he's doing a good job of the, of trying to find other ways to contribute while doing that. He's He had an offensive rebound tonight. I thought he's been really active on the glass. Uh, he's been trying to cut. Guys don't really pass it to him, but uh, he's been trying to cut, move around off ball. But still, I feel like he needs to be incorporated into the offense and asked to do things like run up, pick and roll, where he actually excels the best at. Uh, I, I just that, That's my one gripe with it. But still, I thought he was playing a pretty good game. Uh, it's a shame. I feel like they didn't play more than 20 minutes. I get Corey Joseph was playing really well in his minutes. And I'm assuming a part of it had to do with, well, you know, Corey Joseph is playing really well and Killian's thumb is really bothering him. So I might as well, I'm just going to sit Killian and let him heal his thumb since we have the backup playing really well. I'm sure that was probably the biggest thing with the thought process there 
for Dwayne Casey, but still you probably would have liked to see Killian play more than 20 minutes. But outside of that, man, I don't think I got anything else for you guys. Frank Jackson, he had a good game. Shot three or five from deep. I know we've been talking badly about him, but it seems like he's rounding into form a little bit offensively over the last few games. Hopefully that continues throughout the uh, the next few weeks as the Pistons have this homestand. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, uh, I got really nothing else for you guys. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. I appreciate it. Make sure you guys go and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. It's the best way to support the channel. Again, I'd really appreciate it. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year. And right after you're done listening to this podcast, which was hopefully your guys' first listen of, of the day, make sure you guys go listen to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Make sure you guys go make that your second listen of today. And again, this is your last reminder that we are having a mailbag podcast tomorrow. So if you want to have your question appear on the podcast tomorrow, make sure if you're listening to this on YouTube, you leave a question down in the comments. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, leave a question in the reviews. Or if you listen to it anywhere else and you don't want to leave your question in the reviews or in the comment section, you can tweet me at Hill, or you can treat, tweet, not treat, tweet at Lockdown Pistons a question and you that's how we'll see all of them but again tomorrow's mailbag podcast i hope you guys look forward to listening to that but that's all i got for you guys today thank you guys for listening to today's podcast i appreciate it we'll see you guys tomorrow and go pistons have a great day everybody